Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here with you, flying solo tonight. No Matt Moniz, no Matt Costa, no Stephanie Burke, just me. And uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And I'm just going to make some adjustments here. We are broadcasting live on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com as well as on the uh, WBSM app and on the Paranormal Radio app. Now that we've got the stream situation adjusted so that even when there's Red Sox games on the air, we can still go over the stream. Now, I say that with tonight being the final Red Sox game that will go over the air because we have the end of the season coming up. Yeah, the Red Sox are not going on to postseason glory, but we will have Saturday nights to talk about spooky stuff. Of course, I won't be here next week. There won't be a show because Stephanie and I will be at the Mass Paracon. But we've got some stuff planned for October that should be some spooky fun, including a show that I'm looking forward to where we get to talk about dreams and night terrors and sleep paralysis and all the things that happen at night to us. And as someone who has long fought sleep issues, both, you know, the physical kind, I'm, I'm one of the fortunate few that has both sleep apnea and narcolepsy, Yay. but uh, also, you know, having some, I don't know if I want to necessarily call it paranormal kinds of problems, but having, you know, the issue where I would wake up, I've talked about it before on the show, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in depth uh, the night that we cover it, when our guest will actually be Lex Lonehood. From Coast to Coast AM, you know him as the webmaster for Coast to Coast AM, but he's he's written a new book. So the problem that I would have when I was younger is I would wake up and I would insist that there was somebody in the house. No reason. It was just I would wake up middle of the night and be like, Some, someone's in the house. And it it wasn't helped by the fact that at one point when I was a teenager, we moved around a lot, but at one point when I was a teenager, we lived in a house... Uh, in Wareham, right on the railroad tracks, where uh, my room was a sun porch, a converted sun porch. And I had a door that went to the living room, and then I had two outside doors. One that would go to what originally would have been the front porch of the house, because they set the front porch up of the house to face the railroad tracks. It was an old house. Uh, So that was the original front door. And that's where the side door would come from the sun porch. 
And then the other one faced what would have been the back of the house, but at that point was what we used at the front of the house where we parked our cars and, uh, and where you know, it would face the main road, the Cranberry Highway. And the one that faced the front door, the old front door, the one that faced the railroad tracks, was behind my head, which if you have a problem sleeping, if you have a problem with you know, whether or not there might be somebody lurking around behind you, Having a door to the outside behind your head that you can't see is probably the worst possible thing. But for some reason, I, I just couldn't bring myself to pull my bed back far enough, far enough so that the door was actually being blocked by my bed. That freaked me out even worse. So then on top of that, I would wake up and I would hear the door rattling. Not the door by my head. Not the other door to the outside, but the living room door. So I'm thinking to myself, after that, you know, moment of freak out, there must be somebody from my family. My parents slept on the same level as me, but my siblings all had bedrooms upstairs. So I'm thinking, it's got to be somebody from my family. That's what I'm freaking out about. So I would go over and look out the door, and then there'd be nobody there. And this kind of went on and on and on the whole time that we lived there, including one point where I actually saw the door handle shake in front of me when there was nobody on the other side. It was a, you know, the kind of door that you would have that would go to the outside of your house, you know, with a window, so I could see who was on the other side. Now the house also had like these kind of bay windows next to where my, uh, and I could probably take photo. I don't know how much they've changed it now that it's a, I think last time I checked, it was a, like a holistic healing place, but they may have put a tattoo parlor in there. I'm not sure. I know the spot where my swimming pool used to be, became a, became a Domino's pizza, but now that's closed too. But anyway, I could probably take some photos. I don't think they've changed it all that much. And the windows to the living room were like these kind of bay window type situation. And so we actually had shades on them. And I used to make my family keep that one shade pulled down because one part of the, the bay window would, would face into my room. So, you know, I want to I wanna have my privacy. So I would pull that down so that you couldn't see into my room. But the door that went into the living room, I wouldn't put a shade on because if you opened it, you didn't want to hit anybody. So I could see that there was nobody on the other side of that door while the door handle was rattling. Now, being who I am now and having some paranormal research behind me, some investigative experience behind me, I would probably want to go back and check and see if it was, you know, if the heat came on, did that make the door rattle? Uh, if there was a fan blowing somewhere, did that make the door rattle? You know, all these little things that you don't think of when you're a 13, 14-year-old kid and you're freaking out in the dark in the middle of the night. But I don't think so. I've come to grips with the idea over the, over the years since I've lived there. And we're talking almost 30 years since I've lived there. This was 1991, 92, I think, yeah, probably like 91, 92, maybe into 93. I'd have to 
kind of do the math, but looking back on it, there was enough other weird stuff that happened there. And the house was just the perfect place for there to be paranormal activity. Not to mention, a, a friend of mine lived down the road, and she told me her house was very haunted by the spirit of a sea captain. Because that's what these houses used to be back in those days. Is uh, This is kind of right on Buzzards Bay. And a lot of the area was built by you know, the captains who would sail their boats out of there. And they would try to stay as close as they could to the water. Now, mine was just a little bit further back than that. So I think my house is probably more tied into the railroad. Especially where... I don't. I never really researched it, but based on the way that the rail war, the railroad ran, it was right near a bridge. It was right near a crossroads, so I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't an employee of the the railroad that had to live there, because he had responsibilities uh, for overseeing the track and the bridge and such. But still, weird stuff, and it certainly didn't go away immediately. Upon moving out of that house, it was a problem that I still had for kind of years after that. But now I'm fine. I think maybe because I've seen what actually can happen in the dark, that it doesn't really freak me out as much. So anyway, we can talk about that throughout the course of the show, but we will be discussing it uh, in a couple of weeks with our guest Lex Lonehood. But uh, in a few moments, we're going to be joined by the UFO bros. I don't know if they say bros or brothers. The UFO bros, Joe and Emmett Hayes, uh, they were actually taking part in the infiltration of Area 51. They were part of all the the different stuff that was going on. So uh, there's a a special instamentary that's going to air next Sunday on the Travel Channel at 10 o'clock as the UFO bros pack up their RV and they road trip from Northern California to Nevada to explore all things Area 51. So we're going to talk with them about what was going on, whether or not this alien stock concept was, you know, something that really got off the ground, no pun intended. Uh, We'll talk about some of the experts that they will talk to uh, in relation to this trip. So they should be calling us in in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about that. We'll get kind of the pulse of what's been going on with the idea of, of storming Area 51. I mean, this is something that has been... In the news, the real news, not just the paranormal news, we're talking about CNN covering this, Fox News, the major networks, this whole planned invasion of Area 51, they can't stop us all. It happened and, and, and what, I think two people were arrested. I don't think it was the UFO bros that were arrested because as far as I know, as of this afternoon, they were still going to call in. Maybe they maybe it was them and they got bailed out, who knows. But the you know, the massive planned um dissension upon Area fifty one did not shake out the way that people thought that it would. And I'm not surprised because it's real easy to get all excited and get involved in stuff when all you have to do is click a going on a Facebook event. It's a different story when it becomes time to load up the car, drive to Nevada especially if you have to make a long journey like we would here in Massachusetts, that gives you a lot of time to start to think to yourself, what's really going to happen to me when I get there? Because 
you would like to think that you know the the military is not going to just openly fire at civilians just for trying to I don't want to say break into but storm a government facility but at the same time how far can you go before you force their hand and from what I saw there was signage warning people there were um, you know notices that were posted along the fence and there was warnings that were issued by the military in the weeks leading up to this, telling people not to try to storm Area 51. So I don't know what the draw was for people to, to, to want to go in and still do this. First of all, and we can get into this in a few moments with, with our guests, but first of all, isn't the point of storming something to get answers not to give them advanced warning? That's question number one. If you're going to go and storm a place so that you can uh, get all these secret documents or maybe even see the physical evidence, whatever it is that you think you might be finding there, it's really stupid to make a Facebook event for it. And then have it catch fire publicly and become this big thing because you gave them plenty of time to move anything that might have still been there. Now, if you talk to some of the experts, and I have, uh, we've had uh, quite a few Area 51 experts that I've spoken to myself on on Midnight in the Desert. By the way, little plug, I'll be hosting Monday night this week. Uh, I think I'm hosting Monday and Tuesday. But Monday night, we are going to be having a, a one-hour guest talking about angels. But then the last two hours of the program is going to be open lines. So I'm hoping that you'll all tune in and call in because we want to make this open lines you know, really successful so that we can do it on a regular basis. I know a lot of times people don't like to call in live, but we, you know, we have to show Keith that there's a reason to keep those phone lines open and to do these open line shows so that we can we can make sure that we can continue doing them. But like I said, we've talked to a lot of Area 51 experts that have told us things aren't really there anymore. But then again, I've never been. So let's talk to somebody who actually has been. And uh, let's be, let me make sure that I turn everything up here correctly so that we can push them through to the video feed and to the audio feed. Uh, good evening. Uh, who do we have on the line here? Hey, what's going on? This is Emmett. I'm with the UFO Bros. I think Joe should be uh, joining us shortly. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a couple different phone lines here, but I don't have a producer to screen it, so I have to kind of ask you on the air who's on the phone. But thank you for joining us, Emmett, and, uh, and hopefully uh, Joe will pop on in just a second, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But I want to say, first of all, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on on, on relatively short notice. Hey, thank you so much. You know, it's not a problem at all. We have been on... One heck of a quest, you could say, and uh, it's my pleasure to continue this amazing, like, experience of community and uh, everybody being on the same page. Hopefully we can carry that into the future, so I'm, I'm very happy to be here. So uh, my first question uh, has to be, I, I guess it wasn't yourself and Joe that were the two people that were arrested, right? Unless you already posted bail. <laughs> no, we were not the ones arrested. Those were... 
two other individuals that it seems as though they attempted to actually cross the barrier. And as you know, Tim, uh, you can cross the barrier, and at that point, lethal force is 100% legally possible. So these guys were actually very lucky to just have been arrested, frankly. Well, I mean, it's possible, but we, we hope that that would be a last, last, last resort. Uh, you, you know, I, I would, only, I would think almost like you would have to, you would have to have a weapon of your own for them to actually fire upon you. I'm sorry, you cut out there one more time on that. Oh, I'm just saying that's a last, last, last resort that you would have to kind of draw oh, yeah. your own weapon, maybe, for them to actually fire on you. Yeah, I, I would hope so, but they have the ability, like I said, you know, there's uh, signs there very. Uh, plainly says that uh, you know they can use lethal force if necessary so but hopefully i mean you know if you're a normal human being of course that would be the last option well we're still waiting for for joe to uh to call in here but i'll keep my eye on the on the phone but until he then says, um he actually just is saying that he's getting a busy signal uh trying to call in oh that's weird. i don't know why that is yeah i can try to connect him on my phone if you don't mind holding on just a minute sure i think we can do that all right hang tight and, and like I said, you know, the important thing is that uh, nobody was hurt. Uh, but if somebody was stupid enough to have done that, it it, it kind of would have been your own fault. I mean, people have been forewarned about what would be happening with this uh, event, with people trying to show up on government property. And listen, where we live here on the south coast of Massachusetts, we know what happens to us if we just trespass in, on state property. You know, when we try to go to some of these uh, abandoned mental hospitals that people try to sneak into for urban exploration or, or for paranormal investigation, it's not a joke. You know, I don't know anybody that shows up and, and doesn't have law enforcement pop up while they're there within the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So I can only imagine it's so much more serious for the military. Uh, Emmett, were we able oh, yeah. to get him on the line? or yeah. You on here, Joe? I'm right here. Hey, Joe. Great to have you on. Sorry, I don't know why it's 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 showing up as busy. It's uh, it's an open line, so it should be working. But who knows? It's uh, it always it's okay. Don't worry about it. Joe barely knows how to use the telephone, so we're lucky that he's here at all. Well, it's not rotary. I don't know how to work it. Yeah, well, we're just a, we're just a few steps above that here. So, <laughs> but uh, I'm, like Hello. I was I was saying to uh, to Emmett, I'm glad that you guys made it out safe. Uh, Joe, how did the idea come about? Uh, for you guys to take part in this whole uh, storming of Area 51? Well, it pretty much started, first of all, when we were kids. When we were kids, we always wanted to see UFOs. We were always fascinated by the idea. And this just started uh, storming because the storming Area 51 was something that we had to get to. That was something that we had to do. We had yeah, to no. cover it. <laughs> Sorry, bro, go ahead. No, go ahead, bro. What you saying? Oh, no, I just want to piggyback on that because Go for it. It, it was that alien interview uh, or, sorry, alien autopsy video yep. where uh, it just totally blew our minds. And from that point forward, we had to know more about it. What was happening? What was going on? Was this real? And then, of course, you know, a few years go by and then all of a sudden we start researching and Joe's like, have you heard of this Bob Lazar guy? I'm like, right. no. And, right. Uh, and that was it, man. We listened to that, and we watched probably every single thing we could find, and it was very, very hard because this was in the very beginning of the Internet. <laughs> like, hey, 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 Emmett, don't you have that UFO VHS that you still have from years ago? I still have that VHS, absolutely. I have some UFO stuff on VHS. 
For sure. I told you, I told you. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people have always been suspicious that we weren't getting the whole story. I mean, even people who don't believe in the idea of there being alien beings or, or, or ships from other planets or any of that, people still think that the government has never been completely honest with us uh, about the Roswell no. crash, about Area 51, no. about what they know no. about any of this stuff. Here, Here's the deal. The fact of the matter is, and if you strip away, if your listeners for just a minute kind of strip away the idea of aliens, right, let's all get on the same page. Let's, let's separate aliens in one end and UFOs in the other, and let's just take a look at the UFOs. It is no longer a question whether or not they exist. And I don't just mean, oh, something in the sky that's identified. Now, the Navy, just a few days ago, is really pushing the acronym UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, because... There are objects in our skies, and they invade our nuclear stations. They invade our airspaces at will. And Tell me more, nothing, bro. And there's nothing. I'm working on it, okay? If you could just, you know. Uh, and uh, they, they invade our airspace at will, and there's nothing we can do about it. So the last thing the government is going to want to do is come out and say, Hey, you guys, you know, we've been in a war since, you know, 2001, or, you know, if you can go beyond that, you know, to the secrecy, or I'm sorry, before that even, to where the secrecy started, they don't want to tell the American people that, uh, you know, we can't technically keep you safe from these unidentified aerial phenomena. So now mm-hmm. the fact, so that seems to be, I think, the biggest stopping gap is that Frankly, maybe they have no idea how to translate this phenomenon and what really is happening into something that, the, that would be digestible for, like, the American public. I mean, but in a way, isn't the fear-mongering made worse by the fact that there are no answers? I mean, yeah, there'd be a lot of shock value to, to the, initial, uh, you know, the initial revelation that there's something going on. But the military being the military and, and, and knowing how it all works— I would think mm-hmm. that they'd want to get the word out because then basically you – I mean as much as they already get a blank check, you could get even more of a blank check from the government to be able to buy whatever you want because we're going to be living in perpetual fear of something attacking us from the sky. So if you said, hey, if we spend this $18 billion on this, we can, we can help you make it a little bit safer, we'd, we'd say, here, yes, take it. Take, here, take $28 million, billion, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it would actually work to their advantage to be able to release this information because really what are we going to – do. I mean, it's not like what do you, you can't jump off the planet because there's a chance right. somebody might attack us from somewhere else. Well, if um, if I may, uh, you may, I will. Uh, and Joe knows this, and Joe, I want you to, to hop in on this whenever you want. But you know, the government is the secret holders, okay? And the government, I'm specifically talking about the military-industrial complex, the branch that manages all these secret programs and compartmentalizes them down into tiny little tasks, you know, one that, like, as somebody like Bob Lazar receives. So it's this interesting thing because the government is in the... Sorry, I keep saying the government, but what I'm actually referring to is the military is in the business of protecting the United States of America. That is their primary goal, protect them inside the homeland and outside the homeland. They are not necessarily bringers of technology to the masses. I wish they would be more that way. But, Joe, like, can you tell them? We were just talking about Joe work, actually, at a DOD facility. Joe, tell them about, a little bit about that, if you don't mind. 
pretty much DOD facilities, everybody is segregated, segregated into their own skiff areas, which is their own areas of expertise. And nobody could talk to each other. So everything's really secret. Everybody's got their own codes. The doors to each one of the skiffs are about 1,200 pounds apiece. You have to have multiple security to get in. But anyways, to get into something as deep as in the DOD where I was, pretty much it was they make spy planes. I was working at a place where they make uh, chassis and antennas for spy planes. But in order to go around and talk to anybody, there was two immediate people under each skiff that would talk to each other before they answer the rest of the team. Nobody in each skiff can talk to each other at all, even after work. It's even just for military chassis and the the um, the spy equipment that they can hear on, just, just being that secretive just for that. And that's it, not even anything all that special. I mean, that's not that's like, nothing you know. special. It's just, it's just antennas, and there's a secret <laughs> secret. But right. they did have a cryogenic uh, freezer there, and I don't know what was in there. They wouldn't tell me. Yeah, I, even and, for having top security clearance. And I've heard that from other people, uh, you know, uh, interviewing folks that have worked for the DOD, uh, people that have worked uh, both in Area 51 and at Wright-Patterson, uh, where they will say, you know, there's there's certain areas that even my all-access access wouldn't access. Mm-hmm. That there's Absolutely. Right now, the president would not be able to go any of those skiffs that are right there. The ones that I worked at, they would here have a special clearance. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the story that I always heard and, and I always retell is that on his second day of work, Bill Clinton said to whoever, you know, I want to know mm-hmm. everything that we know about UFOs. And, and he was told that's a, that's a need-to-know basis. And, and Mr. President, you don't need to know. Right. Exactly. He wanted them to go down and get see if there's any aliens down there, quote-unquote. And then, of course, Hillary the, the chugged, committed. McNugget aliens. They want to McNugget aliens. I'm sorry. You guys are talking about Clinton, not um, Trump. Sorry. Are you wearing your helmet, Joe? Joe occasionally forgets to take the correct medication. So I do apologize on my behalf for his outburst. No, understandable. Wow. The... But that's, I mean, that's the suspicion that people have, that they, they think that there actually is an EBE, you know, from the Roswell crash or, or what have you. But there's still, a, there's, a, there's an alien being kept at Area 51. What, what did you guys expect to be able to find if you were able to, to breach the, the security and actually get into Area 51? What, what, what do you think would have been the end result that would have been found? So, really, okay. Go ahead, bro. Go for it. I just want to talk about our journey and our quest really quick here because it's really sure. important. We want people to know that we interviewed some amazing people. Uh, one of those Absolutely. is Rick, Rick Doty. Are you familiar with Rick Doty? Uh, I'm, I'm, familiar with, I'm familiar with the name, but I think it's just because okay. I saw it in the press release. Right. So Rick Doty is uh, a former worker at Area 51. It was very interesting. He actually brought his badges and everything. I think that... Uh, he had some amazing insight as to what is being kept there. And for everybody that's listening, you actually are going to have to watch the special to see what he says about what is potentially kept at Area 51. And I'll tell you right now, it's, it's a pretty mind-blowing uh, revelation. So I, I do encourage people to watch and see what this man who has worked inside Area 51 has to say about what's actually being held there. But, but it sounds like and, you, you, you yeah. got um, – sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, it sounds like, you know, by doing this and, and undertaking this journey the way you did, you know, did you have to put aside any preconceived notions so that you could just see, you know, where these interviews take you and, and where the journey itself took you? 
bump, but go ahead, Joe. No, <laughs> we have a hard sorry. time. Sometimes we both want to talk at the same time. No, it's fine. Um, Especially being you know connected through one phone, I know it makes it a little harder. Yeah, that's it's it's all good. So we um, let's talk about this journey just really quickly and kind of what the overarching concept behind this is. First and foremost, we're part of the UFO community. It's a great community of people mm-hmm. that all have this similar sort of like thinking and beliefs. Now, Joe and I are uh, totally deeply rooted in that community so we have a great respect for what they do now mm-hmm. on this on this journey it's interesting because joe is very much about the aliens and i'm very much about the ufos and the technology and more of like the nuts and bolts behind how they work and that sort of thing um but what we have learned is on this journey that they are not that far and separate from each other and mm-hmm. although um area 51 is super secret and Actually, I always tell people it's the most well-known, top-secret place in the world. <laughs> That's an exactly. Example. The storming that has happened is just uh, fun. But we were really hoping, just to kind of continue on here, we were hoping to really get uh, see other people and see if they're part of that kind of great community of believers. And they want to know the truth, too. We weren't the only ones. We, we dug really deep to get the information on this show. Uh, including just the average person. Why are they there? What brings them there? What is their motivation? And so, you know, some of these people are coming in from around the world. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is like this is this isn't just a an American government story. This is just this is a something that other governments have been accused of hiding secrets. And right. this is Area Fifty One is kind of just the the prototypical story that that anybody that is fighting for disclosure can use, no matter where they are in the world. Exactly. Exactly. But I will say, other countries are far further than we are in this disclosure or, you know, um, as we say, uh, you know, validation of the phenomena. We're kind of strange in our little American bubble here. Uh, Yeah. We're still, the, the average American still is like, yeah, there's no way we could be alone in the universe. But here we are in 2019, having been presented with astonishing clips of unidentified aerial phenomenon through the DOD. And just like I said earlier, the Navy having confirmed and verified that, it's like... But I have a question. Sure. This oh. this disclosure that just came out with the, na- with the Naval... Um, the Navy and, 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 you know, the actual disclosure in the video, what's crazy to me, people are looking at that going, oh, cool, and they're going right back to their phone. It's like a Passover. It's like this is breaking news that something came into our atmosphere, hung around, and left. Well, it okay, is. Well, that was cool. Back to my Instagram. Well, it is, though, but at the same time, you know, I think there's been certain pockets of people that have, have gotten very excited about having, you know, the military Absolutely. confirm that these are UFOs, but it, in the end, yeah, they, they just confirmed that it was something that was unidentified. It doesn't mean that they confirm that there's alien beings. They're just saying there's something in the sky that they can't identify, which, by the way, could mean that they know what it is, but they just won't identify it. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Very true. It's, it's, it's this very interesting in the Navy statement. I, you know, I always tell people, read between the lines, because they did not use the UFO acronym. UFO. They very specifically pivoted to the UAP. And what's interesting about that there is that last letter, P, phenomena. You know, by phenomena, we mean things above and beyond. You know, and in this case, above and beyond our understanding. And that, I think, is what Joe and I take from it, is, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's a statement, but it's a huge revelation, and it's only kind of, I think, putting us in the community on the right foot forward. If anything, forget the aliens. What the hell is in the sky is able to break, uh, uh, you know, uh, our physics understanding and move in ways that is incomprehensible to, um, you know, uh, to scientists, some of the best in the field that even can't pinpoint how it is that these objects are moving. So once we're kind of able to, I think, zone in on that and say, yes, we have multiple videos, we have people all over the world, you know, at this point are able to look at those videos and, and kind of come to determination, okay, yes, this is weird. This is not a drone. Mm-hmm. This is not a balloon. This is not a satellite just floating in the sky. What are these? So, well, we have two options. Is it us or is it them? Mm-hmm. If it's us, it's equally as disturbing and, 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 uh, mm-hmm. and sad because if our military is possessing technologies that produce high amounts of power with no heat, it would change the entire planet. So there's a really kind of, I think, bigger leap here um, when we kind of look at this. Because what that means is then, you know, the they have the technology to fix the planet, but it's locked up in black projects and small little, uh, you know, broken down, you know, two people here working on one thing, two people here working on the other thing. It's never going to leave. And, um, you know, as Ben Rich says, we have the technology to take E.T. home. He wasn't kidding when he said that. But that's the next step. Well, these are absolutely unexplainable. They are not ours. Well, that leads us to the next question who are these people is there somebody or some country out there that has been in our skies moving at breakneck speeds and breaking physics since the 1930s it's pretty hard to swallow i think right i think that's even more hard to swallow than the fact that maybe they're interdimensional beings possibly could be us from the future is another uh take on it or like everybody's wondering are they extraterrestrials so, so you guys were there, uh, you know, today and, and throughout this weekend as people are, you know, converging upon the Area 51 region. And I would think that because they said that the numbers of people that have been there are so much less significant than what was expected based on, you know, this whole <laughs> Facebook event post and all of that, I would think that for the most part, the people that have been there this weekend are people that are actually seriously interested in the UFO question, more so than I think a lot of the people signing on to do it were just, you know, millennials that were like, yeah, the government shouldn't be keeping secrets from us. I'm going to this. And then the day actually comes around, they're like, nah, I think I'm just going to stay home instead. But I'm sure it was a lot of people that really had lifelong pursuits that, that made this journey this weekend. Here's the deal. The event, quote unquote, was multiple small events, all competing, um, you know, for people. And, you know, you're looking at an area spread out over 50 miles. So even if there's, you know, 5,000 people there, it will seem small, but there were thousands and thousands of people there. They just weren't all in the same place at the same time all the time. Um, So... They're you spread know, out all along area, uh, the Area 51 road. They're just all camping, and they're everywhere. It was a big party, man. It was all yep. like-minded people, and they were, like, making tinfoil hats and uh, playing their uh, accordions, which I didn't <laughs> know that was a thing, but uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I remember that. But it was, was just a great atmosphere. You can play the, uh, you can play the uh, Close Encounters tones on the accordion. And it, and it rever- yeah, it reverberates throughout the universe. 
Oh, my gosh. That's We're gonna amazing. Have to do that. Joe, you're going to have to pick up your accordion and take up lessons again. I don't have an accordion. I have a bass guitar. Boom, 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 boom. Do you know how to play a bass guitar? It's, the, it's yeah. the particular tones of the accordion that work. Exactly. Okay. Very specific harmonics. And I get it. I see it. I understand. That's a, that's a good point. You know, there is actually a researcher named Grant Cameron who connects music with ET experiences. But that's probably a whole other show. And... I think that the important part about this is it does show, and, and I'm sure we'll learn this uh, by watching the special next Sunday, but it does show that there are people that are willing to dedicate their lives to something that they know they may never find the answer to. That there's been you know generations before ours that have been asking these questions that, that died without furthering along. Uh, anymore mm-hmm. in, in the search to find these answers. So to see this many people that are this interested in the world that we have, to be able to follow along with your journey through something like the, the Facebook Lives and then to be able to, to watch a television special, it just shows that the for all the people who have gone through this journey in the past and are doing it now, the pressure is mounting. It, it is. It's growing. This was a... You know what? Maybe it wasn't 2 million people, but it was one hell of a seed to plant. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. And um, sorry, Joe, just feel free to jump in, but I'm kind of... Oh, yeah, I'm, I, you I know got how you. I do. You know how I do. Yeah, I know how you do. This you do. is... This was by the people, for the people, brought by the people. Uh, it freaked out the local, you know, the local people. It freaked out the counties. They didn't know what to do, but you know what? All they knew was people were going to come. And there was nothing they could do about it yep. other than prepare and make it safe. And I'll tell you right now, <laughs> Joe and I, they did a great job, huh, Joe? That was the most safe I ever showed up in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> There's about at least 250 cops just within like 10 miles of any way you go. It was insane. And, and for the most oh, yeah. part, you know, the, the powers that be, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be the military, I, I, from what I understand, they, you know, they were, although they were ready to uh, do what they had to do if things got out of hand, I think, uh, from what I understand, a lot of them were kind of taking this in stride, and they, they understood what the appeal was for a lot of people to, to come there. Exactly. Uh, I was talking to one of the officers, and his whole squad had, he, he custom-made alien stickers for his squad car. So his whole entire... Put, Squad had all alien stickers on their windows on nice. their CHP cars, or not CHP, but their trooper cars. That's that's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, they're like in on it too. It's fun. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's when when everybody can kind of you know get along together and and uh, kind of all be in on what the experience is supposed to be, then it, it makes it a lot more fun. Especially where we've had so many divisive things uh, that have been happening in this country. If aliens is something that can bring us all together, well then you know let's do it. I don't see any problem well, with that. Exactly. I'll tell you what they did I this. Last, they did this weekend. They absolutely <laughs> did. Whether they're there or not, uh, that's a whole other question. But. So, so the special airs uh, next Sunday at 10 p.m. on the Travel Channel. But now people can go to Travel Channel's website, travelchannel.com, and they can see some of the stuff from your journey already, right? Absolutely. And absolutely. They also follow us at Real UFO Bros on. Basically, all platforms, social media at UFO, or excuse me, at Real UFO Bros. Uh, we post some fun little tidbits and things along the way. So there's some other, uh, you know, some UFO Bro kind of stuff that you can check out, which is a lot of fun. And and you guys have your own podcast too, right? Yes. 
you. All right, give that a plug too, so that we can, you know, we've got a great podcast audience here for Spooky South Coast that I'm sure would, would uh, if they're not already listening to yours, they'd, they'd love to find out more about it. Yeah, we're the, it's the UFO Bros Probe Cast, as in you know, probing, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what we do. We probe the deepest possible. We want to know the truth, and uh, we try to bring some levity to the situation. And mm-hmm. you'll notice in the podcast that. We try to just bring a real human element. I think we're kind of that, uh, you know, we, we know our stuff. We really know mm-hmm. our stuff, but we also at the same time are totally all about having a good time while we do this. Yeah, and that's, get too, yeah, too you, wrapped up. You know? you know how it is. You can't, if you take it too seriously, then people don't, you know, they, they think that you're, you're nuts if you take it too seriously, and they think that you're nuts if you don't take it seriously at all. So you have to find that middle ground of where you can discuss these things but still have some levity to it while you're doing so. And, and I think that's where we fit in the most. Well, I think... They th- were like, calm down, you guys. It's UFOs, okay? They've been around forever. There's no <laughs> reason to get all worked up and, you know, don't, you know, but you, it's okay. You can unbutton one button off your collar there. Just, you know, loosen it up, you know, let your tie down a little bit. Uh, you know, put your PhD away for just a second, and let's talk about what this means to you as a person and how that connects to the American people. Well, these UFOs can't be real because they don't follow the known laws of physics. Well, of course not. You couldn't follow the known laws of physics and still be able to show up here from millions of light years away. You know, it's, come on. We have to. Yeah, you can't fly in and say, "Hey, I got five bucks for gas. I can get back." Right. Yeah. If you have to start in the realm of the amazing, then it shouldn't be amazing the things that you find out as you go down that journey. So I'm glad that you guys uh, made it through safe. It sounds it sounds like, uh, you know, not only was this a successful uh, a, a successful gathering, but it sounds like it's something that's only going to build and that's going to happen again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. People can say what they want, but let me tell you something. Like I said, a huge seed is planted and the community is, you know, uh, got to figure out how to water it. And if they don't, the people will. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, especially on, on short notice. And uh, and thank you for Absolutely. not getting arrested or shot so that we could keep the interview on tap. <laughs> yeah. I tried. I tried. I'll tell you, I tried. Joe kept saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. They're going to arrest you. They're going to arrest you. I did uh, them. Well, <laughs> you, you got to save that for the next special so that you have something, you know, you can't you can't put all everything out in the first special. You gotta save something. No, I'd rather for the get arrested in the you know in, in the season. That's that would be, yeah. be a good starter. There you go. If that ever happens. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, <laughs> for right, joining buddy. us, and, and and have a great one, and uh, and we'll talk again uh, more more in depth at some point. Sounds good, picture. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. All right, take care. That is Joe Hi, and everyone. Joe and Emmett Hayes, the UFO Bros, and uh, and they will have that special airing. It's happening Sunday, September 29th, ten p.m. On the Travel Channel, but you can go and follow them right now across social media at Real UFO Bros. You can check out the Storming Area 51 section on TravelChannel.com. Both of those places will help you see some of the behind-the-scenes footage. And uh, anytime that you're talking about this on social media, use the hashtag Storming Area 51, and that will help you stay in the conversation there as well. So we will take a break coming up here. When we come back, we'll have more spooky South Coast, including open phone lines. Stay tuned for more. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now 
and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here flying solo tonight. No silent assassin Matt Costa. No science advisor Matt Moniz. No psychic medium Stephanie Burke. Just me. But that's okay because all of you are out there and that's good enough for me. Thank you for tuning into the show. Uh, Again, as I always say, we're here each and every Saturday night to talk about all things paranormal. Except for next Saturday night, we won't be here because of the mass paracon. Uh, I'll be there. Stephanie will be there. It's happening out in the Berkshires, out in Lenox, Massachusetts. You can get all the information at massparacon.com. You can get your tickets there. There are still tickets available for the investigation of Ventford Hall, which is, uh, if you've never been out there to Lenox, out to the Berkshires, and never laid eyes on Ventford Hall yourself, well, you can check it out by watching the movie The Cider House Rules, uh, and you can see which... I never checked, but I think it's Tobey Maguire or Elijah Wood or both. It might be both of them in that movie, actually. Uh, but you can see exactly what Venford Hall looks like and then say, wow, that's the kind of place I want to investigate. And uh, part of the Mass Paracon next week, you can do that with myself and Scott Porter from Haunted Towns and Ghost Asylum. And you know him from his appearances on this show. And uh, also uh, Richard Estep, who I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, the other night on Midnight in the Desert. He'll be there as well. Richard and I were talking about some of our theories in the paranormal, some of our ways of investigation, including our use of the Estes method and the fact that we both like to take it from uh, some different perspectives and and actually run double Estes method experiments at the same time. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun investigating next Saturday night at Venford Hall. But come take part in the whole Mass Paracon. You can even get tickets for the Friday night VIP party, which... Uh, I'm very excited about because I get to hang out with some of my friends, people that I haven't seen in a while, and uh, and hopefully all of you as well. So massparacon.com is the place to get all your tickets. Uh, there's a lot of different packages available, so just be careful when you're ordering that you're ordering exactly what it is that you want if you want to just come to the VIP party. But if you live in this area and you're going to be driving four hours to the Berkshires, you might as well stay for the whole weekend. There's still some rooms available uh, if you check out massparacon.com. You can make sure that you get one of those before your time is up. So uh, it should be it should be pretty. I didn't I didn't think about that. I just noticed uh, in the in the chat, Ventford Hall was in the cider house rules. I wonder if they'll have cider. Hmm. You know, not a lot of times when we go on paranormal investigations, people will say, you know, teams, investigators, people who do residential cases, they'll say that they have. Uh, more often than not, you know, somebody will bake them cookies or, or you know, make them some American chop suey or something. You know, that 
people will feed them on investigations. The kind of investigations we do, having events in historic places, they generally don't feed you. You know, as part of our events, we bring in pizza and snacks and sodas and all that. But usually the, the location doesn't feed you. But I remember a couple of years ago, we investigated the Sprague Mansion in, uh, in Rhode Island. And when we put together the event, the people who are the caretakers for the mansion said, do you want us to put out some food, some desserts? And because of the nature of this event, we weren't having pizza at this one because of the, the timing and everything that was going on. So we're like, yeah, that'd be great if you could put out some, some food. So not only did they put out some amazing foods – like little desserts and things like that, you know, little uh, eclairs and all those kind of things. They had the best punch, non-alcoholic, of course, the best punch that I've ever had in my life. And I think between Porter and I, we we probably each drank a gallon of the stuff while we were while we were there investigating. So maybe we have to make a return trip there just to get some more punch. The other thing that we have coming up is uh, there's there's a couple of events we'll be having locally for those who want to get out and do some ghost hunting for October. I believe it's October 11th. We'll be in Wareham at the Fearing Tavern and all the other buildings uh, owned by the Historical Society. That would be the Old Methodist Meeting House, the One Room Schoolhouse, the Union Chapel, and, of course, the Fearing Tavern built in 1690. We'll be investigating all of those on Friday, October 11th, a special Friday night event. And then the following week, uh, October 19th, if my math is correct, yes, we will be in North Andover at the Parson Barnard House, which is tied into the Salem Witch Trials. So I still haven't put those up on the website yet. I know I'm slacking and getting that done. I'll try and get those up this week. So uh, basically, I'm, I'm working on a big project right now that I can't talk about. So, you know, that old thing where, oh, I'm, I'm working on something and I just can't tell you yet. I hate when people do that, but that's where I'm at right now. So I just wanted to be as forthcoming as I could, and that's as forthcoming as I can be. So uh, earlier in the show, we were joined by the UFO bros. They were talking to us about the storming Area 51 event that happened this weekend, and it's gone off pretty much without a hitch. There was a couple of people that were arrested, but for the most part, nobody got hurt, which is the thing that I was the most concerned about. But also, surprise, surprise, nobody got into Area 51 and discovered any alien ships or alien bodies inside Area 51. So that was, you know, kind of how I thought things were going to go. I figured that even if they did somehow breach Area 51, and let's face it, you know, I know they said there was probably about 5,000 people there. 5,000 people is not going to be enough to breach Area 51. I don't care. You can you can talk about the power of 5,000 people all you want. We're talking about a government facility that's been – you know, long been rumored to be the spot where this kind of stuff happens, where aliens are stored and, and alien technology is reverse engineered to help us here on Earth. So if you've got 50, 60, 70, 80 years of that kind of stuff going on there, do you really think that they don't have contingency plans in case 5,000 people show up and try and storm the gates? As I said, I've talked with people that have said that the Materials associated with UFOs and aliens were moved from that location long, long ago to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Nobody's talking about storming there. So 
I don't know, 508-996-0500 if you would like to call in and share. I'm going to throw a question out there. And this is something that comes up partially because of this, you know, partially because the idea that if the government knows what's going on in Area 51, do they owe it to the people to tell us what they know? Like, I would like to know everything the government knows about UFOs. They claim they've told us all they have, but we know that they haven't. Each year, more and more stuff leaks out. Each year, more and more Freedom of Information Act requests lead to other avenues that we didn't know about before. You know, every time the Blink-182 guy finds a new piece of footage and gets the military to talk about how, oh, yep, nope, that's UFOs, that's only going to kind of deepen the question a little bit more. And I would think that they would owe it to mankind to tell us everything that they did know if they did. But that's a little bit of a different situation when it comes to Area 51, when it comes to protecting secrets that could have, um, we'll say, national defense reasons for keeping it a secret. And it sounded like from you know talking with the UFO bros, it could go even more than that, and, you know, more like global defense and, and keeping people from, from uh, freaking out about it. I come from the other perspective of, yeah, you might freak out a little bit about it at first, but what are you going to be able to do about it? You know, let's let's talk about the worst case scenario. They come out tomorrow and they say, listen, uh, we've been kind of holding back on you guys, but there are alien beings out there coming to us from other planets. We don't really know how to defend ourselves against them. So they could really just decide at any minute to come and uh, kill us all. What do you really think would happen if that was disclosed to the people of this world? There would be some people that would freak out and never leave their house again. There would be, in, in, you know, in full honesty, there would be some people that would probably kill themselves because of that fear. And there would be 99.95% of the world's population that would just say, well, nothing we can do about it anyway. You know, look at it here on Cape Cod, here on the south coast where we live. Every summer, now we are getting uh, inundated with reports of there being great white sharks showing up in, in the waters off certain towns. You know, people are going on having a beach day, and then all of a sudden there's a great white shark, and they shut down the beach, and nobody can go swimming. So they're out there. What do we do to avoid getting killed by them? We don't go out into the water and antagonize them. So maybe if we knew that there were aliens. And by the way, the assumption that they could and would kill us is also a very big leap. They could be completely benevolent and have no reason to want to kill us. They could say that killing one another is an idiotic, earth-based urge that nobody else in the universe shares. Because it's part of our base human instinct, the animalistic side of who we are. And perhaps they've evolved past that or even never had that to begin with. So we're making a huge leap that even want to kill us. But it's like sharks in the water. Okay, we know they're there. We know the danger. We'll leave them alone. Nobody's thinking those sharks are eventually going to learn how to walk on land and come after us. Anyway, so my question is, my bigger question beyond... The Area 51 situation is, 
There are places that we are kept from. There are answers that are kept from us. At what point do we need to have that line of protection for people? At what point do we say it's a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know? People put a lot of faith in the government for a long time, perhaps too much faith, until about the time of the Watergate situation. That's when people started to have a serious distress for the government. Now, it had already been building for a few decades before that, especially if you look at the Vietnam War and the way that that was approached and and, uh, coming out of the military-industrial complex of the Eisenhower era, you had people that were starting to realize, okay, we see where this is going. We see how this works. This is not about protecting people. This is not about um, what we think is the right thing to do for the American people. This is about lining the pockets of certain individuals and in a a money-for-power situation. So if that's the case, if that was starting to build, then I think Watergate was the time that Everybody had to kind of accept how easy it is for the government to lie to us and to hold things back from us. You know, all of the all the quote unquote squares that didn't question the Vietnam War and 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 the people who were even those who were just being patriotic and saying, you know, I, f- I feel like it's not right, but the country's at war. I'm going to support the country and I'm going to support that war because I support the country. Even those people had to look at Watergate and say, eh, kind of finding it hard to defend this one. And we've only been put in that situation again and again and again. And I'm not making this a political statement. But when you look at things like the Iran-Contra affair, when you look at things about, hey, you can mention any of the Clinton scandals that you want to. We can include that in the discussion. When you look at all the things that uh, you know, that President Trump's been uh, accused of over the years now, all of this comes together in a blatant overall distrust of the government. It's hard to find anybody that thinks that the government is on the up and up 100% through and through. In fact, most people will say, you know, uh, all the politicians are, are just in it for themselves and what they can get for themselves and how they can line their own pockets. And I think that has become a universal statement that goes beyond party lines and goes beyond, you know, just... Rhetoric, and I think it's something that people actually believe. Now, I I don't believe it, but I do see not everybody. I mean, I know that it's true in some cases, but I also think that anybody that gets into that office wants to stay in that office or move ahead. Nobody wants to get voted out and go home. So that will influence decisions far, far more, I think, than how people's pockets are getting lined one way or another. But again, all on the table, 508-996-0500. We'll be able to take your calls for the remainder of the show. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Thanks for patiently waiting. Oh, hold on. Are you doing play? There you go. There you go. Patiently is the correct word. See, listen, Lamone. Yeah. I want to clear something up with you over the past couple of weeks. Okay. The past couple of weeks, you've been saying that I, I, I wasn't taking your phone call. Yes, you hadn't. I was, 
I felt real sad and blue. But don't feel she that way because you- on my phones, it never lit up telling me that there was a call. That's preposterous. I know, but then again, if you if you heard the beginning of the show, and I, I know that you were at the iHeart Festival, so you may not have heard heard the beginning of the show. But one of the UFO bros said the same thing happened to him, where he was he was trying to call in, but he was getting a busy signal, and I never saw the phone ringing for him. So I want to apologize to you and let you know I was not unintention I was not intentionally not taking your call. I never saw a call come through. Well, thank you. That makes my makes my heart feel grow a little fonder for you again. <laughs> As usual. And so, yeah, so it's like you were talking about how, like, uh, well, first call your your guest. Uh, notice how he said, you know, the white guy was the one that said he was trying to get arrested. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's not the case. I'm not that person. But uh, I know that a lot of the stuff has been moved, but it's been moved from Area 51 to Area 52. That's up there closer to up there, like uh, they're near Utah. So that's where it is. I don't know about Wright-Patterson stuff being moved there. I know stuff has moved from Wright-Patterson to Area 51. This is back in the uh, 70s and 80s. And so I, I doubt seriously they'll send it back to Wright-Patterson. I'm thinking those the things that were moved to move to Area 52. And, and why would you keep everything in one spot anyway, Lamone, right? Like, why would if you knew that people are going to come looking for this, why would you keep everything in one location? Well, it's like it's because they can control it. And I don't think everything's in one location. And you think if there was literally 5,000 no, properly armed militia or whoever it is for storming Era 51, they would have gotten through. Okay. They would have gotten through the least of 5,000 armed people like, you know, get like Arnold Schwarzenegger and his friends, you know, from Predator. I'll bet you they would have gotten through. See, these people, you know, it was just more. Like a trip, more like a, you know a bucket list for the most of these people that were in. And um, I was they interviewed me. I was uh, on BBC, the BBC channel, the news. You'll see me. I was with a girl that was that was dressed like the. She was green. She was wearing the clothes like she was like Toga from the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Remember the TV show? The one yeah, her and the other this other girl was with. She looked like a hot nebula from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And so and it was like. We had fun, so and it's like they interviewed me for like about two minutes. And so, if you get the BBC, you'll see a brother say, oh, "That's him!" Wow. Well, hey, like, I mean, I'm like, sure they put it up on their website, right? I'm, I'm thinking it. I'm sure it has. I haven't looked for it yet myself, but eventually, one of the girls is sending to me. They're, they were from uh, Australia. They came to visit. Oh wow! And so, and I, came, I made two hundred fifty bucks driving them up there. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> okay. It was like that was fun, but that the whole fun part was afterwards. It was like we had we were up there like about two o'clock in the morning before two. They wanted everybody to be there at three o'clock, and I sat back and just watched. And I mean, there were so many there were so many cops that were going through there. It was like it was like they were looking for OJ's niece or something like that. It was something fun like that, something like that. It wasn't like. It was going to be anything. Oh, plus another reason why the police enjoyed that. They were getting paid double time. Okay. Oh, I'm sure. They were off double time. For real. Okay. Pay me double time. Okay. Wow. Look at these crazy people getting high and stuff that. And you know, you could smell reefer wafting through the air. Uh, Or or can you? I can't say that. Anyways, like I said, you could smell a wafting. The cops were going by again. I know one cop got in contact high. I'm 
whatever he did, because I was like maybe 20 feet away from him, looking around the corner, the one lone black guy that was up there, which was me for a little while. There's other people, but yeah, that's just there. Well, I mean, and, so, and, and I know that there's going to be a lot of, you know, people that are like that, that are going there just for the big alien party. You know, we see that happen with the Roswell Festival every year. There's people that don't really care about UFOs or aliens one way or another. They just want to go for the party atmosphere. But it, there's there's also a lot of people that are there because they care about trying to find the answers. And if they're going to want to find the answers, what I feel is like there's a lot of stuff I, I know already that's not publicly known. There's things I'd like to know. But honestly... We don't necessarily need to know everything. I think the people that are trying to get to know everything right up off the bat might be in cahoots or have something with that. Why do you need to know everything if it's our for our protection? And believe me, I want to I want it to be very clear in a visible line. I want everything to be out there to be seen. But my parent, my dad was in the Air Force, and and I spoke to a lot of people, and he told me about a lot of stuff. They keep stuff on the down low. Like I said, there's a certain respect that that these people, these uh, our Americans here, don't have for our country. Because back when our parents were growing up, stuff they said something about the commies, whatever, Mr. Pinko, whatever the case is. They kept this stuff mouth shut. They respected, they respected our country and respected the flag. Like I said, now I. I'm not going to go there and talk about all the horrible, horrible stuff behind the the, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. That's a whole other hour. I could put it out there. And people, I don't think anybody right. think twice about think about the Star Spangled Banner again, the way they've been raised like that. And it's like, you see that stuff. And like I said, these things, like, people have respect. Oh, like, like I think, like TMZ or whatever. you got all these camera phones. That's a sign right there, a simple sign where lack of respect and privacy is, you know. There's people like I told you once before, back in back in 1980, when uh, Chevy Chase was doing, he had did Fletch, and he uh, on on uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He said last night I was out and I saw Rock Hudson. He was kissing this guy out. I, I, I didn't know he was gay. Did you know that Rock, that Rock Hudson was gay? I didn't know he was gay. He's got a boyfriend, and so then after that, literally, he was kicked off. All in the C program, he wasn't. He was far from Saturday Night Live. He didn't come back on there until after Johnny Carson had died. Wow! Like that, they had respect. You don't, you know, a lot of people knew he was gay. They didn't talk. About right, it. right. You know, it wasn't something that was in the news or like that. But a lot of people knew that. Right. But it's a lack of respect, and I think a lot of respect, a lot of it comes from the home. Most people, kids don't respect their their government. You know, I'm upset. I I, I don't like things that's been done by the government. But then again, like I said, I've lived other places, but I'd rather live in love America. There's no other country that I've been to that I'd like to live in. I might like to go back to Japan and live there for a while, but as far as calling home, it's, it's Nevada, it's Las Vegas, it's America, right? this America. A lot of people, like I said, there's no respect. If you look at you see like people talking about like you know I like I said I understand like once again about, about kneeling down but that wasn't about about the flag it was about the, the situation that was going on the, with the police and the lack of uh, transparency and the lack of uh, them getting in trouble so that that was about it wasn't about right it was, and it was flag. just utilizing that time to to be able to make that statement. Yeah, and he wasn't trying to make a statement. He was just doing it himself. But other people jumped along, and they took it and took it for took it to where it went to, and and made the made more out of it than 
I think a lot of a lot of it should have could have been made more of it in the fight. And he didn't he didn't add on to it. He didn't go with it. He could have made it. He could have been like a big martyr, which he was martyred. And I, I mean, said, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I just don't want to take it down a political route tonight. Um, but I will. I will say, you know, thank you for calling in, Lamone. Your phone is slightly better, but still not quite there. Oh, wanted to tell you about what I experienced that um, life is beautiful and I heart concert, I heart concert with them. No, you don't want to talk to a fella. Come <laughs> we'll, on. We're trying to keep things on topic, but uh, we can talk about that oh. some other time. Thank you so much well, for I'll, the call. I'll hold my breath and I'd love to say hello and goodbye to all your beautiful and clan you've got right there. I love. I love the spooky South Coast clan. And Keith and, Keith and Michelle are going to kill me for, for telling you this, but uh, open lines on Midnight in the Desert Monday night. Oh, Monday night. Yeah, right. They're not going to be open lines. No, there is open you lines. Know, the last two hours of the show, open lines. I'm, I'm hosting. We're well, going to do open lines. Well, you should have had me come on there. Well, come on call in. Of having some other guys, the UFO guys. Well, I don't understand. <laughs> UFO brothers. What's up with that? All right. They didn't even sound black. <laughs> they sound black <laughs> Have a good like, night, Lamone. I was hoodwinked in horn. Say good night, Lamone. Take care. Play on, Playboy. You too. Take take care. All <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's Lamone. Uh, <laughs> UFO bros. The... Um, the important thing there is, though, he's Lamone's right in the regard that, you know, that there there was a, an unquestioned respect that people had for the government in those old. I don't want to say old, but you know, in those earlier times, um, it was an automatic expected thing to happen, and I think that a lot of that respect went away when. In the 60s, we found out about some of the things that were going on in, in, in the communist countries that we weren't being forthcoming about. Then in the 70s, Watergate comes and makes things worse. 80s, we have the Iran-Contra affair and more stuff that shows that the government isn't always on the up and up. So as this stuff keeps piling on, it's, it's hard for that unquestioned respect to stay there because you can have all the respect in the world for the institutions – and for what they stand for. But if the people that are currently fulfilling those institutions don't have your respect, it, it makes it hard to keep that up. And so that's why you hear people say, no matter who the president is, and I'm not picking on the current one or, or in any way, but you hear people say, you know, I respect the office. I don't respect the person. But if we found out that something like UFO f- firm facts – UFO evidence, UFO encounters, UFO uh, partnerships. And I'm using UFO as a, as a catch-all for you know the phenomena and, and what's behind it. But if there was something going on between the government, our government, and these outside forces, and we were kept in the dark about it, and that information came out, that might be the most damaging thing that would happen as a result of disclosure. Not so much the people that would freak out and, and get upset about how aliens could come and kill us at any time. It's more about how the government not only lied about it, and we can go back through history and we can, we can fight the semantics and we can say, well, they, did they really lie or did they not just tell all that they knew? And No, they outright lied. There were times with, when the whole, you know, going back to Project Blue Book and going through a lot of the, the different investigations that were into this where we were told that there was nothing 
there, that there was no evidence of there being extraterrestrial beings or extraterrestrial or UFOs flying, you know, flying objects that we could not identify. By saying that, I mean, of course, there's going to be things in the sky that aren't identified, but that we feel are controlled ships being operated by some other intelligence. So if that information wasn't disclosed to us then, and the secrecy just kept going and going and going, now people are really going to be upset because there's a little bit different story than, okay, you know, it Woodward and Bernstein broke the Watergate story, so now the government has to come clean when it comes to Watergate. And it might be a fight. But eventually we're going to get the whole story. And we did. And that seems to happen with a lot of these things that happen outside the realm of what the government should be doing. But yet with the UFO question, it's just lies piled upon lies upon lies upon lies. So then where do you start with your indictment in the court of public opinion on the matter? Do we go all the way back to the, to the 1940s and blame everybody that was involved from that point on? How do we know who knew what? You know, I had mentioned Bill Clinton being told, you know, it's a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know. And I'm sure that that's the, the, the case that they've taken with a lot of people in the government that have asked about it. Plausible deniability. If we don't tell you anything, you can't be indemnified for not saying anything. And I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. A lie that was told or a truth that wasn't revealed with the best of intentions. But then there's also the outright lies because somebody had something to gain about it. And if you want to start talking about the secret space programs and, and the, uh, the technology exchanges and all of that, we could, we could certainly get into that. I'd, I'd feel more comfortable if we did that having a guest on like Grant Cameron or somebody that's researched that more in depth than I have. But that's something that is not completely crapped on by those who worked in the military over the last 70, 80 years where they have said, yeah, there was uh, there was this trickle of information that would come in or this trickle of research that would come in that we weren't allowed to know where it came from, that suddenly we had these developments with no explanation as to how they were made, which makes it difficult to try to follow and to have similar developments if you don't know what the root of that development was. You don't know what sparked that. So if they were reverse engineering alien technology or just being given alien technology, you don't have that spark of inspiration to go back to to see, well, what else can that lead to? But the big concern that I had is that that I have is that somebody realized that this could profit particular individual people. Because we it's making again another big leap. Just as much as I say it's a leap to say the aliens are coming down to kill us, it's another big leap to say that the aliens are benevolent and they only want to help us too. 
Aliens could be capitalists too. They could be coming down here looking for whatever they can get out of a relationship. They can come out of it looking for whatever they can get from whoever they provide this technology or this information about their technology to. There's no guarantee that they're altruistic beings. But let's just say that they were. I can't imagine that they're too happy with us hoarding some of that information and keeping it to ourselves. But then when you look at it, when you really look at it and you start to pick things apart, you realize that there was a way that things have both benefited all of mankind, yet still put money into people's pockets very easily. So microprocessors are something that people will point to as something that was developed from alien technology. That the reason why we went from having huge rooms of computers, a computer taking up multiple huge rooms in the 1950s and 60s, the reason why suddenly we're able to carry one around in our pockets is because of the development of microprocessors. And there are those who are pro-UFO technology, pro-alien technology that will say that's because those were given to us by aliens. Now, that's really hard to swallow for a lot of people. And I think it's really unfair to shortchange the people who made those technological developments to get to that point. But that being said, I kind of understand where some of that belief comes from. This past July, we had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. And I watched CNN had a great special where it was uh, no recreations, no modern day interviews. All it was was all the footage that was shot at that time, giving you the whole story. And what I found the most fascinating about that is watching the technology that they used, not only at mission control and in the training apparatus that they used and what they put on the ship, just everything, the way that they would communicate with each other, the way that even from one station in NASA to another, the way they would communicate with each other. The technology seems so antiquated. But then we go and we land on another celestial body. And not that long after, we start to get a lot of uh, advancements in technology. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to say somebody was watching. Somebody saw us be able to leave our own planet and land somewhere else and return and said, okay, I think they're ready. So it's entirely possible that that happened. I just don't, I think that that's shortchanging the people that actually made those developments. But anyway, if that was something that was given to us by aliens, that was kept by those in the know to be able to profit off of it, in the end, all of mankind still did benefit from it. We still all have microprocessors in our pockets. The advancements that we could have made as a result of that technology were still made. 
And they still happen relatively quickly. If you think about it, there has to be some degree of a learning curve. Just because the possibility would have existed for us to have a cell phone like we have, basically a mini computer, which has the processing power of those NASA computers from 1969, by the way. But if, if the technology existed in 1947, after the Kenneth Arnold sightings, after Roswell, whatever, if the, if the, power exi- if the technology existed for us to have that then, what would we have done with it? We wouldn't have been able to use it. It had to be parsed out. What good is a mobile phone if you don't have a network for it to run on? What good is a a microprocessor in your pocket if there isn't an internet to be able to use? So there had to be this slow integration of that technology into society. And it did happen. And people were able to profit along the way. So... Was the secret kept? I mean, for a little while? And, and and maybe, yeah, you can say the secret is still out there because nobody's ever come forward and said just that that technology came from aliens. But in the end, we all still got it. It's still there. I realize not everybody in the world has a cell phone, but the possibility exists that they could. So the technology wasn't kept from us. Space travel is not being kept from us. There are now private organizations that are taking over spaceflight. Because in the end, if somebody wants to build a private commercial version of NASA... We can't stop them. We don't own the atmosphere. We don't own what's beyond this planet. If somebody wants to buy the land to build their own launch facility and employ the technology and put it all together to do it, they have every right to do it. And we're going to see more and more of that because I think mankind wants to do that. I think people want to see what it's like to leave the planet and then come back. Now, of course, it can be regulated and it can be kept safe, but still, it has to be allowed to happen. So, the ability to even leave the planet and travel other distances is no longer being kept from us. There may be some secrets that we're not being told that would make it easier. You know, figuring out how to make the light speed jump would help the process, but even our own government hasn't been able to figure that out yet. So I would have thought that if it was possible, that would be something that, you know, we would have made that kind of a leap. But we haven't yet. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Oh, I'm going to hit this button. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good, my friend. Hey, did you catch the uh, notice yesterday that um, Australia and the United States are going to team up in 18 months and go to the moon? No, I mean, I know that there were plans for another uh, there were plans for another trip to the moon as a as preparation for a Mars trip, but I didn't realize that Australia was part of the part of it as well. Yeah, it's going to be Australia, the United States, and they may or may not farm out most of it to, like you were just saying, private corporations. They haven't made that decision, but they're going to do that pretty soon. I, I was monitoring it last night. 
I can see why it, you would want to involve the, the the private organizations because they can probably sink, you know, a good portion of the money that's needed into it, and they kind of will understand they're not going to get a lot in return except for the the possibility of saying like we could do this ourselves privately sometime in the future. Sure, it opens up the gateway for them. Sure. I mean, so what? So so private industry teams up with with NASA and and sends people to Mars within the next ten years. What do they get from being on Mars? There's not going to be any kind of technology they're going to find there that can they can bring back and make money off of, except for the fact that now we can bring people to Mars. Which well, I, think, I do know that you and I won't be up there bugging people. Eh, I mean, I don't know. I might go. <laughs> I, I I don't mind a little turbulence, you know. I, yeah. The only what problem is family. The only problem is uh, they can come if they want. If not, you know. You no. Know what 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 if you only you're going and they can't? Maybe they don't want to go. It's up to them. <laughs> My question is, though, if it's, you know, it's yeah. hard enough to, to get into an airplane bathroom. What's a spaceship bathroom going to be like? <laughs> but I don't, I think it's a good thing. I think if we can have other countries work with us to oh, go absolutely. into space and it become that's why I love the International Space Station. The fact that it's become a multinational thing. Listen, I know people can say what they want. I'm a globalist in the sense that I think that People are all people, and it makes sense for us to all work together on things. And, and subsequently, Australia is really like a colony of England anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, really, there'll be that England, English connection. So they're not. Yeah, they're not competing against us in any way. And, and no, it's, no, if it's a partnership that benefits both, then great. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be paying attention for what they, they said within two months to make the final decision on directly on time frames and all that yet so no i like it well thanks for the uh thanks for the information i i'd had no idea now i'll i'll make sure i keep up with it have a good night my friend you too take care 508-996-0500 the as i said you know i like the fact that it's multi you know multiple countries working together because this isn't something that should be owned by one country and that's where we were in the in the 60s with the the space race is that we had basically two countries competing for ownership of space. And it it's just too limiting. I I know that we have a lot of issues with China and I understand those issues. But also if China has the the money to invest in a space program where they might be able to get human beings a little bit further than we've been able to, I'm all for that. I want to know what's out there in the universe. I start to think about it and and I start to get overwhelmed, but I still want to know. That's why one of my favorite interviews that I got to do recently was uh, was on Midnight in the Desert and we got to talk to the, the chief scientist for NASA. And to find out about all the different things that they're finding in space and all the different things they think that they're going to find in the coming years. And it's just incredible to think that all those things are out there and that we can learn about them and we can see them through the technology that we're putting out into space, but that we'll we'll never actually get to be there ourselves. And if somebody from another country gets us a little bit further hey that's cool too 
We only have a few moments left. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you want to call in. Again, as I said, there will be no show next Saturday night because we have the Mass Paracon coming up. And as I had mentioned, there won't be a show on October 19th because we'll be in North Andover. But other than that, I don't think we're going to be missing too many shows coming up through the fall and into the winter. And even as we get closer to Spooky South Coast's upcoming 14th, 14th, right? 2020, 14th, 14th anniversary coming up in January. 14 years on the air. It's incredible. I never would have thought the show would last that long. But it's a testament to all of you out there that are always tuning in and listening, whether it be live, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be through podcasts, what have you. Uh, you're the reason why we keep coming back and doing this every week. We never got the pizza that we were promised. So, And, and then, uh, as I said, you know, no show next week, but the week after that, we're going to be talking about sleep. We're going to be talking about uh, sleep paralysis, dreams, nightmares, night terrors, all of that stuff, uh, as we'll be talking with Lex Lonehood, who is the webmaster for Coast to Coast AM. Usually, if you're listening to Coast to Coast, you hear George mention at the end, he's thanking everybody. He'll mention Lex Lonehood's name. Lex has a new book out, and he's going to be joining us to talk about all of that. And as I mentioned, I'll be hosting Midnight in the Desert a couple of weeks, a couple nights this week, uh, I believe uh, Monday and Tuesday night. And you can tune in, midnightinthedesert.com, and listen to the show live for free. You can listen there. You can listen on the Paranormal Radio app the TuneIn app, whatever, you know, there's all these different ways of streaming. But basically, MidnightInTheDesert.com is the easiest way to go, and all the other ways of listening are right there on the website. We're going to be talking angels in the first hour, which is midnight to 1 a.m. here on the East Coast. And then after that, we're going to be taking open lines, open line phone calls for two hours. So I want you guys to call in and, and make make this open lines segment a success on Midnight in the Desert. But if you can't listen... Just subscribe to the show. You can do that right at midnightinthedesert.com. It's only $5 a month, and you can get all the archives. And you can listen to them whenever you want, just like you do with Spooky South Coast. I know a lot of you listen on podcasts later on because it's easier for you to listen while you're at work. And I promise I will get the podcasts up to date. As I mentioned, working on a big project, can't talk about it. But some things have fallen by the wayside, and I promise to get them caught up and up to date. But if you like the show and you can't always find the audio podcast, if the most recent episode isn't out there, you can always go on YouTube and watch the videos as well. Even though without the other crew around, it's just me. What's the point of that? Nobody wants to watch me on the camera, but they're there for you to watch. Anyway, so yep. And, uh, and, and I want to thank everybody that's in the chat room. Each week, I want to thank you all for hanging out. It's it's quite a good little spooky crew in there as well. People who are uh, becoming friends just because they meet up on Saturday nights and they talk in the chat room. And you can watch us on your TV if you have the YouTube app. And you can also open up the YouTube app on your phone and chat while you're watching on your TV. This must be some of the technology that the aliens gave us. Right? Did the aliens give us YouTube? Did the aliens give us spooky TV? 
I'm not going to reveal that. If you want to get in touch with us at any point during the week, the easiest way to do that is by email spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. You can email me directly, tim at spookysouthcoast.com. Follow us on Twitter at spookysc. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Weisberg. You can like us on Instagram. I think on Instagram it's at spooky underscore South Coast. And uh, for myself, it's at Tim Weisberg. I'm at Tim Weisberg everywhere, Snapchat and everything. Um, But really, the the best way to get us is always email. And we get some great emails from people that just want to let us know about their own paranormal experiences. We get emails from people that have questions about things that we've talked about on the show. We even get emails from people that need help and want us to uh, hook them up with a paranormal researcher in their area that can come out and help them with their own paranormal problems. Whatever it is that you need, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We're always glad to help out in any way that we can. So as I said, no show next week. Hopefully you can come out and join us at the Mass Paracon. It's not too late. Tickets are available for the entire weekend for the Friday night VIP party for just a Saturday night investigation. Maybe you want to go to the special uh, event they're having instead of the investigation. Uh, You want to go and uh, have the tribute to Ed and Lorraine Warren. You can do that as well. Lots of stuff happening at the Mass Paracon next weekend. Just go to massparacon.com and you will get all the information. And then when we come back in a few weeks, I'll have uh, all the information about where you can come out and see me speak at different libraries and stuff throughout October. It's the spooky season. It's time to get out there and enjoy it. So until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.